Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cross County Alliance Podcast. This is your producer, Hunter Wright. It's actually my first time hosting. Uh, Chase and Austin were both unavailable this time. So I think we're just kind of changing the format to benefit whoever's available, and we're just going to keep changing hosts and see how it goes. I think it's it's been pretty successful so far. But recently, we uh, started selling uh, T-shirts for the podcast, if you hadn't seen yet. And we actually had a good first round, uh, sold more than we expected, and we plan to be selling more, and hopefully more people are going to buy, and it'll help promote the brand and, you know, promote the region as a whole. That's our main focus. But this week, we have a very special guest. Uh, This is Damaris Goodwin, who I know as my Aunt Hey Hey. She is my mother's aunt, and she grew up in Appalachia throughout her life, and she's moved several times, traveled outside the country so she was actually coming down for the high school musical that we all come down for every year it's a tradition so contacted her and asked her if she wanted to be on this this episode and she accepted it so i'm glad to have her on so how are you doing i'm doing well i am damaris goodwin otherwise known as hey hey to my nieces and nephews and grand nieces and nephews now and and even unto a further generation when they start talking <laughs> The reason I have the name Hey Hey is because my brother, when he was little, had difficulty pronouncing sister, and Damaris was just too hard. So uh, when he would try to say sister, it came out kind of like Hey Hey. And one of his friends couldn't understand him and adapted it to Hey Hey. And from then on, I guess I've been Hey Hey in the family. Now, did, have you seen uh, Moana, the new Pixar movie? Or, I it's have Pixar. not. It might not be Pixar. There's a chicken in it, and its name is Hey Hey. Polar opposite of you, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's I'm quite, glad to hear It's quite the character. <laughs> but I, I thought it would be a good idea to have Hey Hey on because she has a lot of knowledge about the region and has studied a lot about our family history. And every episode so far, we've had just people my age going through college and who are try to give their life experiences, but they're still financially dependent on their parents to help them pay rent and everything. So it's kind of nice to have somebody who's got a more stable uh, thing going on. <laughs> so I guess we'll start out with what the, the main topic of this episode is. Through your experience, what draws you back to Appalachia or Southeastern Ohio to be specific? First of all, probably family above everything else. Um, I came back, of course, I left to go off to college and came back frequently and then after I was married a little less frequently and in later years now my children of course are grown and gone and um, after my mother passed away I just continued coming back to visit my nieces and their family Um, old school friends I still have several classmates here we have a very active alumni association. And, uh, oh, you know, when I was first out of school, it was like maybe every 10 years we'd come back and see people. Then it got to be five, and now try to do this every year. There's kind of a core group of us. We really enjoy getting together, reminiscing about growing up here, and this is very typical of Appalachia, so anywhere in this area would be similar. Beyond family and friends, this is home. It will always be home, and it's the place 
on this whole earth that I feel where I really belong. And I think part of that is roots. And at least at the time I was growing up, there were many, many families who had been here for generations. Um, they had come in and settled in this part of the country, and they stayed. And so everybody's kind of related to everybody. <laughs> I still have many cousins and second cousins and third cousins here. Uh, there was a real sense of those roots and of that belonging feeling. So for me, that's that's one of the attractions and just always being interested in my hometown and what's going on there um, hasn't been possible for me to live here but I I really enjoy my visits right and we often talk a lot at school because luckily there's a lot of people from Vinton County that go to Ohio State so we're all very tight-knit together and we talk about you know it's it's always just such a nice break to come home and just get out of the city because you just feel comfortable. You can go anywhere, and you'll, you'll eventually see somebody, and it's just nice to just see a recognizable face and just see how they're doing. And, yeah, I definitely think Roots, that's that's really what the main, our main thing through this podcast is just, there's just a, a everyone has, like, family and everything, but we, like we've talked about sports in the last episode and how around here, I mean, you'll have 6,000 people at a basketball game, and, at least 80% of the county was there and <laughs> you just don't see that everywhere else and I've talked to friends at school and they they don't keep in touch with their high school friends once they're done with school they're like all right well like um, right. it's time to move on and it, we all stay in touch and I just think it's it's important and that that was something that I I didn't know that everybody else was different in that sense or I guess not everybody people do stay in touch but it, it just felt different around here because I, I have friends up there who they have people from their high school that go to Ohio State and they don't ever meet up with them or see how they're doing. And all of us stay in touch uh, all the time. Like every week we're meeting up or talking or whatever. And I think that's important. What do you think the most important values that you've developed while growing up in Appalachia have, have helped you through life? I think I learned how to be a friend and a friend for life here. I have, you know, some of my best friends I started out in first grade with, and um, I, I think there was a real strong work ethic. I still work hard and, and enjoy it, and I think that had to do with the times, partly, as well as the place, but um, we didn't have much choice. We had to work. Uh, Nobody here was really wealthy, and I would say that's fairly typical in Appalachia. Appalachia. Uh, <laughs> when I was growing up, I never heard of Appalachia or Appalachia or anything. I didn't know. I just lived in Ohio, and I didn't know until I was an adult that that's where I lived. And uh, I grew up pronounced, or when I did find out about it, I began pronouncing it Appalachia, and I still sort of slip back sometimes. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of poverty here now, much more so than when I was growing up. And that's uh, sad to me. But I almost kind of feel like maybe a corner is being turned and that there are, you know, the, some things happening. There are some new businesses, for instance, 
in this town. Uh, some of the young people are choosing to stay and to live here, and um, my brother and his daughters all did that and raised their children here and took advantage of what this community can offer and what small towns in general offer, I think, and that is a, a, a sense of belonging, a place you know who you are, you, you know who everybody else is, really. Uh, it makes you feel very comfortable and secure in, in a certain way. Um, I, I think that's important for a kid, really, to know who they are and where they stand. Sometimes I think in the city, you're just kind of anonymous, but these small communities, you, you do have a, a place and a sense of belonging. Does that pretty much answer that question? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I, I see a lot of people my age who are actually, yeah, choosing to stay here and trying to build businesses and you know because they, ju they just love it here and you know maybe their career or maybe they can't find a good job here that will support their family but they're willing to risk starting their own business to make it happen and because of the people here and because of just just the yeah like com comfort of it well I think that um, for people who are choosing this it's not always an easy road financially but it's a trade-off because, you know, yeah, you can go to the big city and you can make more money and you can live that kind of life and it's not necessarily bad. But there are just advantages here that money can't buy. And do we really need all these material things? That's a soapbox for me. But um, maybe we need to get back to things like roots and the connections amongst people um, there's always something going on here. People get together, they socialize a lot, they have fun together, and it's not a matter of money. Uh, it's, you know, you, you cook up a little food, a few casseroles, mm -hmm. pull out the grill, and you have a great evening together just being together. That's what I've always said. My favorite thing to do is just sit around a fire. Whoever's there, just sit around a fire, listen to music, and... But I, I think there's there's such a stigma, at least for my generation, about staying in the region. Once they go to school, they you know don't want to look back. They're they're mm. afraid they'll get stuck here, and people are just afraid to embrace living here or even consider staying here. And these things come and go. I think this could be a trend, you know, away from maybe the idea of going to live in the city and, and having that good life that people envision there and then find themselves kind of cut off and wondering what's lacking in their life. And it's right here all the time. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not like this is some idyllic little paradise. There are plenty of problems in Appalachia everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. um, Drug use is very bad. I think it's probably bad throughout the country. Uh, there is a lot of poverty. But my hope is that as people do t choose to come back here and live, that gradually things will turn around. When I was growing up, this was a very busy, bustling 
area, little towns like ours throughout were uh, all in all to the community. There were all kinds of businesses, uh, lots of grocery stores, there were clothing stores, there hardwares, there were everything that you needed was right here mm -hmm. in town. And uh, then it got a little cheaper to go to a little further away to a little bigger town where the chain stores could offer goods much, much cheaper than these small town shops could compete. But yet, living in a community and supporting that community by shopping here, um, that keeps the community alive. As it was in my day, um, they, were, they were just were, everybody shopped at home. And um, I was thinking about this when uh, Hunter first approached me about remembering back to my childhood and kind of trying to remember what did we do and how did we do it and so forth. Um, it seems like now Friday night's the big night. It's the end of the week and everybody goes out. But when I was growing up, that was not the case at all. And in many small towns, even up through a lot of my adulthood, uh, this was typical that um, during the week, on, usually on Wednesday or a Thursday, every, everybody closed at noon. All the businesses closed, people took that afternoon off, and then they were open on Saturdays. Um, Saturday night was the big night. That's when everything happened. And every single Saturday night of the world, I think, my parents brought us to town and dropped us off at the movie theater, which we had then, we do not now. <laughs> um, and they went and did their grocery shopping and whatever other errands they needed to do. And then um, we would arrange to meet at the local drugstore where there was a soda fountain and uh, we would get an ice cream cone. And this was a huge deal. It was the highlight of the mm -hmm. week. We didn't have as much then as kids do today, but we had something to look forward to. And we did all week long. Um, that made it for a very much closer community because people were out and about and they were shopping and supporting each other so that you had this vibrant, small economy going on. Is there a specific turning point or events that may have led to the increased poverty uh, that there is today? Well, I know that when I was young and in school, elementary school, say, uh, junior high, uh, of course, you know, kids don't notice much at that age. But uh, as I said, the, the town was prosperous. There, I don't remember any businesses really closing down or anything like that. And then um, when I was a senior in high school, one of the local employers who, who you know, there were about three big employers in, the, in this area. One of them began to downsize, and I know my dad was laid off. And um, so as a senior in high school, when I made out my college application, I could put that my dad was unemployed. And boy, did he really hate that. One of the things I could say about the area 
is there was terrific pride and people did not want to take a handout. They wanted to work. They just wanted a job. And um, so he had to swallow his pride and take uh, unemployment compensation for a while until he found something else. And then the other thing was that I noticed was that a lot of the people I graduated with later that year, a few of them went off to college. There were, you know, there, there was not the percentage going to college back then uh, that there is now. It wasn't one of these, you know, you didn't have to take that path in life. There were choices. You could find good jobs, but somehow those good jobs weren't right here anymore. Mm -hmm. And many of, uh, especially the boys I graduated with, went to Columbus for work. Uh, and some of the girls, too, and found jobs up there. So I don't know if things were beginning to turn around right then. I think things got, that was 1961. By the 70s, when I was coming back here to visit with my children, husband, I was beginning to see the effects that people were leaving. I'd hear about, oh, so-and-so went, you know, some so-and-so moved away or whatever. Um, and things just gradually went down, and I think it had to have something to do with the economy of the nation and how things were going. People were moving away from these rural areas into the cities. And with fewer good jobs, uh, people were making less and less. Poverty kind of moved in, took over. Yeah, and I feel that a lot of these jobs that or trade jobs or stuff you don't need a college degree for, uh, they're changing too. And people, like you said, pride's a big thing, but they also don't want to learn a new craft or they just want to stay in that area. If they lose their job, they're going to look for another lumber job or a factory job or anything like that. And they, they, they just, people are very one track minded, I guess. Um, in some cases. Uh, yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, after a certain age, and you know, you take a, a a man, for instance. Back then, it was usually the men. Goes right out of high school, gets himself a good job in a manufacturing or whatever, and works for twenty or thirty years, and and then that job is gone. It's very hard to change at that point. I mean, you've done something that long, right? And you also feel maybe a little like your failure because suddenly the thing that you can do so well isn't valued anymore, isn't needed anymore. Right. Yeah, I don't think it's it's their fault. I don't think it's a bad thing to have that mindset because, like you said, 20, 30 years you've developed this skill that you know so well, and, yeah, it's not being valued all of a sudden. What, what do you do? Right. And there's there's no... When that's gone, I mean, there's no other opportunities <clears throat> for that craft because it's going away. So many of them did because of just changes in the whole economy, the, the national economy, the <clears throat> even global now, of course. We have different kinds of jobs out there. We have a nice uh, 
grandfather clock uh, in the room. So this is every fifteen minutes. This is quite <laughs> loud. Timer. Yes. I I do think a, a swing is happening though. I think people do have that mindset of, you know, this is the job I've you know developed these skills for, but when eventually all those are going away, you do have to swallow your pride and you gotta figure out how you're gonna support yourself and your family. And I think, yeah, you're going to hit a low point, and eventually it's got to come back up. Yes, exactly. You you hit bottom, and then you start pulling yourself out because what else can you do? Right, you know? exactly. Um, do you think there's any specific things that could be improved around here? In this area? You know, it seems to me like the key is jobs to have and I don't know how that happens really mm -hmm. I'm not expert enough but um, even one very strong company that would hire people who don't want to do the formal education you know someone who um, would have other kinds of skills could be a beginning because one good employer in an area say 50 jobs then that impacts the whole economy mm. and other things grow out of that. So um, that and then just trying to work as much as, as we can on some of the problems. The um, drug problem is rife in Appalachia. Mm -hmm. um, there's, I'll give a plug to a book. If you haven't heard of or read Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, we've mentioned that several times. That's <laughs> my all-time favorite book. <laughs> it's, um, it's really interesting. It's a little, uh, the, the, the person writes about growing up in um, southwestern Ohio, a little more southwestern. It's a little different here because this never was what they call the Rust Belt. Uh, there were never that kind of jobs here. But it's still a very eye-opening book, and uh, it's kind of caught on, and I think it's made a lot of people more knowledgeable about our area and areas like ours, and they, you, you learn a lot from it, and you see how, these, how this has developed and how it's changed in the last 50 years or thereabouts. We need to get help in, in fighting this drug problem, overcoming it, and get some good jobs, and and get our good young people back here. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I have seen this in my own family, and I think this is great. These kids are coming back, and they're keeping their family strong, and th their friends, and they're going to be here helping this community all the way through and I hope there's more of that do you think any I guess in the 60s were there any mindsets or habits or that people had that may need to come back to improve the economy I see a different kind of mindset now with I, I work in a library and we have a very large turnover of employees of part-time young people and these are almost all women uh, and I don't know that that's really a factor, but the one thing I, I observe is young people today are not, for the most part, not willing to accept poor jobs, jobs that don't pay well 
or don't have benefits, they feel they usually have huge college loans to pay off. For one thing, they need mm -hmm. an income. But I, and in some cases, they, they are wonderful, they're hardworking, but I have had experience with several of them who just don't seem to have a work ethic. And that's really important, I think. I think, personally, this is something that should be taught either as a college course or in high school, mm -hmm. that kids grow up learning, what can I do to become a valued employer, uh, employee and not be shuffled off, you know, rise in my country, uh, company, become better at what I do. So hard work is, is something that's really important there. Um, I think accepting that change has come mm -hmm. and growing with that change is important too. I mean, it's just practical, common sense. You're going to get left on the wayside if mm -hmm. you don't learn and advance, and you're never too old for that. Yeah, and I don't know if we mentioned that you currently live in North Carolina around Durham, yes. which I, to my knowledge, is not a poverty-stricken area in North Carolina like other areas. Um, I, I live in Orange County. Uh, Chapel Hill is the... Um, the known town there, I think, but we are practically bordering on Durham right. and Raleigh a little further mm -hmm. over. That's the Research Triangle area with Duke University and UNC, a very prosperous, growing area started, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, um, became just the hot area. Everything was happening. It's not typical, really, of North Carolina right, yeah. at all. Uh, much of North Carolina is not so different from here. It's Appalachia, at least in the mountains, and the eastern part of North Carolina, too. There was a lot of struggling there. There's, there's still you know, plenty of areas that are, have a lot of poverty. So it's, in many ways, you know, it, they're fighting the same kinds of battles. Uh, it just happens this little pocket where I live is different. That's what, do you see a difference in behavior, mindset, or attitude? Well, there is definitely. Um, there are different, there are the people who have lived there, who um, are rural, and um, who are pretty conservative, maybe, and they're, they're look at things. It happens that my particular area, you're, you have a very high level average level of education. Education tends to make people more liberal-minded, more mm -hmm. open-minded. I would say that that is a drawback in uh, this area and in mountain, you know, the Appalachian areas, the mountains, the rural poor areas is that it, it, it can act on people. It can kind of keep them from opening up to new ideas and experiences. My, my area is almost like San Francisco in the, in the 70s or whenever, um, in that just very, very liberal. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think, yeah, you're not going to see change in, or in open-mindedness in, you know, poverty-stricken areas because they, like you said, they... Be all, end all, but it's, it's when you are in an area where there are a lot of people who are open more open-minded, it, it affects you too, right. I think. And you begin to look beyond, you know, when you're really poor, you, you're thinking about putting food on the table. Exactly. And a roof over your head. 
and you don't get a whole lot farther than that. It's hard. Right. People are sharing the same struggle and yeah, they just you don't want. And they're caught up in that. Mm-hmm. And when you have a little more prosperity in your community and people who are able to have the basic needs without struggling too much, then they can look beyond right. that and they can they can think about other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So to change topics, you recently traveled to England and uh, has your experience growing up in Appalachia or, I mean, yeah, North Carolina too, um, has that affected your experience outside the country um, seeing these different, totally different cultures outside the United States even? I'm not, I, I would have to say I don't really think so. Um, and part of that is because I haven't really lived here since I was 18. Right. I did come back, of course, during to visit and during college. Um, but traveling in a different country is, you know, you do see different things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet England is not quite so foreign as, right, as some yeah, of the places. Exactly. I've been there a number of times. And um, I can't really say, and I, I actually don't think that living in North Carolina has changed me too much because I was 61 when I moved there. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty well set in my right. ways, you might say. Although um, I never lived in quite as liberal a community as I have down there. Right. Um, it's it's a wonder to me. I love I love uh, going to new places like that and growing. Uh, one thing I've seen, and I don't know how common that is here, but in my own family, and this is probably typical, I think there are more possibilities now for travel mm-hmm. uh, for even people of modest means. Um, there are trips even to some of our own great cities like Chicago or New York City Um, and there are musicals not just here but on Broadway and um, those things broaden a person a great deal a lot of that just was not available when I was growing up Mm -hmm. here Uh, you would would have had to be wealthy at that time to travel abroad but more and more people are doing that yeah I even I was talking to someone just a random person in one of my classes telling him about this podcast and he's like man you know 10 years ago there's no way you could have just bought a few pieces of equipment put that together and put it out to the world I mean anybody could listen to this Mm -hmm. so it's just cool that I can promote the region at such an accessible way that it could reach many people but yeah, you, there's definitely more opportunities being made. And like you said, even musicals in Broadway, I mean, Ohio Theater in Columbus has the same. Exactly. So it's just people, yeah. I think experiences are getting closer and more accessible to everybody. Well, I think that's true. And um, we kind of, you kind of touched on this with, when you mentioned the podcast, think about the young people today and what they can access on the internet. I know we used to hear a lot about and still do, oh, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. Oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff. There's, you know, the opportunity to be in touch with people.
people from other countries, other cultures. There's just so much information out there, and it's it's at your fingertips. And even if you live in Appalachia, Appalachia um, there are places. And even if you don't are not able to have internet at home or a computer, although it is becoming more and more common, I think, just like when TV first came on the scene, not too many people had it. Now everybody has TV. But these things have become more and more accessible. So there is a chance for people who live in Appalachia to to be more open to new things and broaden. And this is happening with the kids. They're seeing this. They're getting their hands on the computer one way or another. Um, you know, public libraries, I, I'm always putting in plugs for libraries because I'm a librarian, right. but it's true. I mean, we have, uh, you can go in a public library just about anywhere in this day and age. Um, and there's access to the internet and it's free. And so you're not as constrained, you're not as cut off as we were. For instance, when I was growing up, it was really provincial here in that I remember being in third grade and a, a teacher of mine had a son who was stationed in Panama and she had been to see him and she showed us slides and this was so eye-opening to me I couldn't imagine it was so different um, of course we had books but imagine now you can learn about anything on the internet. Right. And I know we've talked a lot about jobs and loss of jobs around here, but do you think there's any positive changes that you've seen from since living here to moving out? Like today, do you see any positive changes from then? I think what I've seen here is, uh, in the, at least in this particular county, um, in fairly recent years, um, this county has managed to get really all new school buildings, beautiful, modern school buildings. I think they're doing a great job here educating the children, and I think that there's there are things like the musical and the sports. The support for the schools is phenomenal here, mm -hmm. and that is a very encouraging thing. People really care about what their kids are, are doing, and um, they want better for their kids, and that's, we've always wanted that. Right. But yeah, a lot of other schools around the area are also just getting new schools and new facilities and everything, and like you said, I think there's a, a change eventually coming, hopefully sooner than later. I hope so, and I think there's, you know, so much beauty here, natural beauty, mm -hmm. and this is something that you don't get as much in the city. Of course, you know, you have parks and you have some beautiful buildings, and but um, there is nowhere lovelier than the eastern woodlands in the springtime. You know, go out, take a walk, and see the wildflowers, and you can tell I'm a nature enthusiast. Right. You go up to the Hocking Hills, and uh, the tourist industry seems to be growing does, uh, very yeah. close here. 
and uh, they're offering things like rock climbing and the parks have always been there and uh, horseback riding, trail riding, things, things like this that canoeing on the rivers mm -hmm. and kayaking. Um, it's just a beautiful place and there's a lot to do outside nature-wise. Right. Yeah, yeah. I have about a 20-minute walk to work where I work now and I actually drive because at night probably not the best time to walk in my area um and then here i i mean i absolutely love walking around town when i'm at home and mm -hmm. it's it's just it's so much nicer i always felt as a child completely secure and safe in this town and anywhere i went and part of that was the times um but again everybody knew who i was and i knew who other people were so I was safe. Yeah, and I think, I hope that comfort, that lifestyle will come back and people will want to move here and, you know, start families and settle here. And hopefully we see an upswing in general. I think the quality of life here, if there are jobs, could be so much better. And I don't mean to be putting down city life because it, it's wonderful mm -hmm. in some ways for some people. But I, I personally think to myself, just the time I waste in traffic, and I'm not even living in a really big city, uh, where here I don't have to spend precious time getting somewhere. I'm here. And there are, you know, there are many advantages to living in a rural community, mm -hmm. uh, a small town. And that's one of them, a simpler life, uh, just getting away from the pressures of the city and being able to relax a little more. And I think the quality of life is going to start beckoning people back. Right. And I've, I've been surprised. I've been asking people just what land costs around here. And it's so cheap compared to... Yes. And... The, I mean, the hills are beautiful and the forests and everything like that. And it just it surprised me that more people aren't here. And I think once people realize how nice of a community this can be, an area, then, and, you know, if their jobs are starting to come back, then I, I think it will definitely be a very prosperous area. Right. I think there's an interest, too, like where I am and, and probably – uh, with this, it's a generational thing maybe where people are coming back to the idea of um, having chickens and raising their own eggs right. and having a garden. And owning a piece of land is a really, um, if you excuse the pun, a grounding <laughs> experience. Uh, I, I personally think there's nothing like getting your hands in the dirt to get your priorities in order. Right. It's fabulous therapy. And most people could never afford to buy land in certain areas of this country. But you can come back to Appalachia and you can have a house and a couple acres of land and you can actually afford yeah, to live here. Definitely. Yeah, I think, I think that's really important. But uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything that uh, I wanted to discuss. If, if you want to have any last words or anything I like that. I think 
I really enjoyed this experience, and I love it that you're doing the podcast. And I'm going to be um, telling a lot of people about it (laughs) (laughs) and listening to it, um, some of your back issues, so to speak, Uh uh, back programs when I get home. I, I love it that someone is talking about how great right. well i i read i read hillbilly elegy and that really made me just because I, I that's when i started hearing people like you're from appalachia and i was like i guess <laughs> and then and then i heard about that book and and i read it and i was just like man this uh, it just it was so relatable and everything mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and it, that's what that's what inspired me to start this it's like people just don't know how good of a region it is you always hear the bad things like the drug epidemic and poverty and everything, but there's a lot of great things. There really are. It's a good place to live and a good place to raise a family. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. A place for your kids where mm-hmm. you can kind of feel like they're getting what they really need. Yes, definitely. I mean, I don't have kids, but as a kid growing up here, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was for me. <laughs> yes. But yeah, uh, thank you again for being on. It was a pleasure. And thank you. This is Hunter Wright signing off for Cross County Lines. Thank you for listening.